Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, Xbox had a developer direct where they launched a surprise game. Bioware lost yet another industry veteran. And we've played Forspoken. And you might be surprised by what we think. everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am Andrea Renee, joined by Mrs. Rihanna Manuel Pena. What's good, Andrea? Good to see you as always, my friend, and welcome back, Brittany Braunbacher. Hello! How are you doing, friend? Are you hanging in there? Has the Rona completely wiped you of your will to live? Oh my god, you know, it's the weirdest thing the Rona because it's not like a normal cold or it's not like a normal flu and you're just I'm on day nine of this thing and this is probably the worst day I've had in like three days in terms of energy and just like coughing and like mucus what the hell is this shit yeah it's bad this why I also was sick for a very long time like how long did you test positive do you remember a full 10 days okay it wasn't until like day 11 that I got like a negative test okay yeah because today I tested and it was super faint but anyway You know, it's a really interesting thing because I've been locked upstairs for nine days now. I haven't held my kid in nine days. I haven't touched my husband in nine days. And you would think like, hey, you get to go upstairs and be a single woman again and play video games (laughs) and order DoorDash. You think that would be like the thing for the first few days, despite feeling like crap. I won't lie. It was kind of nice (laughs) knowing I was going to be okay. But yeah, now I'm up there and I'm just like gazing outside. I'm like, I want to be where the people are (laughs) one more day hopefully and you'll start testing negative and you can go back i think it's amazing that you know your husband and your baby haven't gotten sick yet i obviously didn't have the experience i infected both of them (laughs) but now we're obviously doing okay but yeah we're glad that you're back and that you're feeling better and hopefully you will be right as rain by this time next week oh yeah So we had a few (laughs) things happen while you were gone, which we're going to talk about in just a few moments. But I want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, and Punctified. And welcome. We had an influx of new subscribers to our Patreon. Thank you so much to everybody who decided to join us and pledge and help support our voices and support our production here at What's Good Games. Welcome, Matt Piscatella, Rob B, ADC, David Sanders. Sanchez, the Two Veg Podcast, Thomas Lewis, and welcome back, Trevor Starkey. It's good to have y'all here. Thank you so much for supporting us. If you guys want to get the show ad-free, patreon.com slash what's good games is the place to do it, among other benefits. And Brittany, looks like we have a new podcast reviewer. We do. The only Tigger has left a very kind review, and their review is fun because they've followed my content since I was on a podcast back in the day called Two Ninjas One Podcast, I think is what it was called. And I did that (laughs) probably in 2009, 2010. So I feel like it was that long ago. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's always fun when you get someone who's like, oh, hey, I saw you from this thing way back in the day. So, yes. Hello. Hi. Thank you for joining us on What's Good Games. It's a fun place to be and stuff. Also, I'm going to put a disclaimer out there. Do you remember when Steimer was very sick and we did our God of War episode, Andrea? Yes. And she said that it was a fine game. She's yes. Like, it's fine. <laughs> I think this could be my Steimer episode. So I'm just going to oh, put no. that out there to everyone. Okay. Not because I'm going to rank on any game, but just because my head is just not heading. Well, the brain fog with COVID is real. Like, oh, it's 100% awful. real. Oh, yeah. it sucks. Well, we will take that to heart when we start hearing you not be enthusiastic about things that would normally get Brit enthusiastic. (laughs) Thank you. There we go. That's perfectly well said. (laughs) No problem. No problem. Before we get started with the show, a little bit of housekeeping. As y'all know, we had Khalif Adams, founder of Spawn on Me, on the show last week. Rihanna and Khalif talked about their big award show. It's coming up really soon. It is. It is. So you can catch us co-hosting the second annual Spawnies. And this is an award show that's very, very different. It is hashtag for the culture and 100% of the category nominees and winners are all voted by the fans. So it's going to be a great time. We had a wonderful time putting the show together and we're going to be hanging out live in the post show. So we'll be in chat. You can tell us your thoughts, who you think should have won. And, you know, we'll explain how you can vote for next time. So that's going to be this Monday, and and as January 30th, it is on twitch.tv slash spawn on me, and it's at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. So once again, twitch.tv slash spawn on me this Monday, come hang out with us and check out the Spawnies. Okay, well, why don't we go ahead and get into the news Xbox and Bethesda had a developer direct today, and we weren't able to do a live stream because it was in the middle of the day and, you know, babies and all that. But there was some interesting things that happened. So this was a little bit different of a live stream situation than we've seen really from Xbox in the past. This felt a little bit more Nintendo Treehouse-y, where they did a brief look at the game and then they did a deep dive with developers really showcasing a lot of gameplay components and talking talking really in-depth about the development of the game. I thought it was really an interesting perspective. Rihanna, as somebody who, you know, used to work at Team Xbox and now works kind of on the marketing sides of things, do you think it was an effective way for them to showcase some games? Absolutely. I think what was really compelling about the Xbox Developer Direct is if you have an Xbox or if you're subscribed to Game Pass, it showed you exactly what you should be excited for in 2023, or at least in the first half. I do think it could have done more to compel people to join in if they're not already, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, if they're not already in the ecosystem. But as somebody who's already playing Xbox games, I know exactly what to be excited about. One game in particular that I'm already playing Mm -hmm. and another that's been on my list for a while. So I was very pleased to see more from all of these. And I got the general feeling that Xbox themselves are really excited for 2023 as well. So that was great to see because it's been a while since we've heard from them. Yeah, we talked after the Game Awards about how they got a little slack from people about how they weren't present and they didn't showcase anything new. And they clearly were like, well, we got something up our sleeve. Just hold on. Wait a minute. Now, this wasn't the big razzle dazzle. Here's a new game. Here's a big announcement. Here's a big reveal trailer that I think maybe some people were expecting. But I like how we got to see a lot of gameplay, including 
a brand new game from Tango Gameworks that took, I think, everybody by surprise. You hear yeah. <laughs> the name Tango. I immediately think The Evil Within. I know some people think about, you know, Ghostwire Tokyo, which came out last year. They obviously are led by Shinji Mikami, who has a history of being Use my God. probably one of like the godfathers of the horror genre in video yeah. games, right? Yeah. And so when they came out with Hi-Fi Rush... <laughs> a rhythm action adventure game that looks like a beautiful anime come to life. I think everyone was scratching their heads being like, what is this game? And then on top of that, they're like, you can download it today. It's available so to play great. right now. And it's in Xbox Game Pass, which is wild. It was such a good play. I know some folks were scratching their beards about that one thinking like why haven't you been teasing this you know the whole shtick is like xbox doesn't have any games right now you just mentioned the game awards but i think if you did mention this during the game awards it would have been buried under a lot of other bigger announcements but this way i feel like the entire spotlight was on this direct and i think they did that by setting the right expectations and so everyone was tuned in knowing what to expect and then boom like here's this awesome game this kick-ass trailer this high energy tease and then boom it's available today and i think that that was a really effective way to shadow. It's called Shadow Drop, right? Shadow yeah, Drop. Shadow again. Thank you. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just from what I'm seeing, and I know you two have played it, like the reception so far in social media has been very positive. So in addition to this incredible Shadow Drop, we also got date windows, at least, for mm-hmm. five games total. So recapping really quickly, we had Minecraft Legends, which is dropping April 18th and is, of course, coming to Game Pass. We got Forza Motorsport. For- Forza Motors. Okay. You got Forza. it. It's Forza Motorsport Forza 5. Forza Motorsport. You got to put your announcer voice on, Re when you do it. Well, they it. didn't it just put the 5 on. on it this time, right? It's just Forza Motorsport. They just said Motorsport. I don't know why I have so much trouble with that title. Anyway, <laughs> It's a uh, motorsport. Yeah. Can we um, stop also, for a second and talk about this yeah. reveal? So normally Forza comes on and it really only appeals to like a very specific segment of the gaming audience, unless they're talking Horizon, right? Because that's the the yeah. big arcadey style open world game that mm-hmm. a lot of people really love. The motorsport being a simulation game, smaller audience. I wanted to give a shout out though to how impressive it is what the developer team is doing with the tech on this oh, game. Yeah. And we so rarely get to see a public-facing explanation of some of the methods they use to create some of these things in-game. I have the privilege, being somebody who works in games media, to get to see some of these behind-closed-door presentations and talk about, like, what is the photogrammetry technology that you guys are currently using in the game? But for the team to come out and show it like this, I just thought it was really impressive, and it reminds me, as a fan and lover of video games, just how freaking cool the technology is is right now in game making and all the different things that they can do. There was a line that he said about how they capture the way these hundreds of rays of light bounce off objects and pick up colors and then saturate the world with it. I was like, oh my God, it sounds so cool. (laughs) So I know that some people are like, they write off Forza as like, ah, it's not for me. And that's okay. Like racing sim games are a very specific kind of game, but it's really awesome to see like what they're doing from a technical perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Besides the, um, what was it? The the photogrammetry that they mentioned. (laughs) They did say, you know, 500 plus cars, 20 environments, five new locations, and 10 times more details in all of the environments. So it is wow. 
Very appealing. All the blades of grass are visible, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people that kind of tunes out, but I've always been so impressed with how gorgeous these games are. So when I see these stats, like 10 times more details, I think there is something in there about dirt accumulation. No wonder. Like, how are your games? So how do you make them even prettier? I remember one of my first E3s. It was, I think it was one of the first ones where they lowered that car from like the ceiling. Oh, and I yes, was like, I remember. Do you remember that? And then mm-hmm. I remember the trailer that followed was absolutely stunning. I remember thinking that then, like, there's no way games are ever going to be prettier than that. Fast forward, like, how many years later and look at this stuff. It's incredible. Like, that's why I do pay attention to Forza is just because I'm always so awestruck by the technology and how pretty those games are. And I want to live in them. But make it an RPG. Yeah. (laughs) But then they can't use photogrammetry because RPGs are fantasy typically, right? Or do you want, like, a racing sim RPG? Yes. Well, we I, can, feel like that's what the crew, I feel like that's what the crew was trying to be. But that would be fucking awesome. Yeah, that could hey. be really cool. You can get all those traced rays uh, June 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Please trace my rays. <laughs> we already talked about Hi-Fi Rush, which, uh, as, we, as we mentioned, we'll talk more in the hands-on segment. But that, of course, dropped today. This is January 25th. ESO. Now, I'm not personally an Elder Scrolls person, but I know a lot of folks are excited for this new update. It's a teaser with a new playable class, Arcanus, which I saw folks are like, ooh, wee. I'm like, good for you. That one's coming out June 20th. I'm sorry. Arcanus? Arcanus? Arcanus. No, I mean, you're probably right, but like, Andrea knows where I'm going. Someone knows where I'm going. Brittany, with this. I know where you're going. Straight to the what? bottom. Exactly. Okay, I'm done. Thank you. I had to get that out. <laughs> uh-huh. No problem. No problem. I think the fact that it's an Eastern Morrowind is also a big thing that the community is excited about. I say ESO. I know some people say ESO. I don't know like what the what the <laughs> proper vernacular is. Tomato, I say fuck you. I'm so <laughs> impressed that this game has been able to sustain as long as it has. And I think a large part of that is that Elder Scrolls 6 is still a long ways off not 2030 Paris not that far <laughs> off but definitely not coming this year or next year and so until then you know the team at Elder Scrolls Online has been doing a really great job supporting that game congratulations to the ESO fans um, but yeah ESO Necrom June 20th and then finally Redfall ah. one of my most anticipated for this year dropping May 2nd so of course it's from Arcane Austin and they showed a lot of gameplay we got like main story missions we saw some shopkeeps and, you know, some upgrade trees. We saw picking up weapons from caches that your cultist enemies drop when you defeat them. We saw vampire nest gameplay, like how you take over each neighborhood with the siphons, which are like some of the main enemies. So I loved this part of the direct. I know I'm super, super hot on Redfall and maybe I'm a little biased, but I really liked how much <laughs> I got to see. I feel like I know a lot more about what this game is going to be. And it's giving me like dark Borderlands vibe where you can play alone, but it's more fun with friends and you're combining abilities of each hero. And I'm just really excited for this game. Like, I know I'm not for spooky stuff, but this is such a stylized art style that I think I can get past the scariness of it. I feel like it's not going to creep me out (laughs) and I'm going to feel powerful enough to take all of this on. Yeah, it definitely does not look like it's trying to be intentionally a horror game, right? I think, like you said, the art style of it kind of gives that away. I think it's definitely going to have that tense and some atmospheric horror there, but I don't think the intention is to, you know, alienate a whole bunch of folks by giving them a scary game. And yeah, the gameplay we've seen, I am just so excited to hop in there and play this game. It looks so much fun. I just had this awful, like, knee-jerk reaction of, this looks too good to be true. You're telling me we're going to have this awesome, like, co-op game 
gameplay with vampires and spookiness and loot and special abilities, and it's going to be story focused. Yeah, and I, that's the part that, and I mean, that's what everyone's saying that that's working on this game, and that's been one of the big PR beats is it is story centric. I'm just really excited to, I guess, hear more about that. Because I think that's what's really going to keep me in Redfall is the story. Like gameplay for me is never really enough. I need some sort of story to go with it. But I think for just like hopping in, I'll be sold. But if this keeps me. I'm just really excited. It sounds like it's almost too good to be true, like I said. (laughs) It's a little bit of everything for everyone, right? It is, yeah. I'm sort of concerned that this doesn't have like an extended early access period. But we don't know yet if they're going to maybe do like an Xbox, you know, game preview for it. I think whenever I see something that is so ambitious like this game is and has a big multiplayer component and has an open world component, I just get a little like, well, is it going to be broken at launch? I hope not. And maybe they could mitigate some of that if they did, you know, some extensive betas. And maybe they will. Now that we have a release date. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because, you know, May is not busy or anything. Thanks. No, (laughs) no, not at all. (laughs) No, I mean, in June is such a slow month, too, for video games. So yeah, nothing happening in June. Yeah, nothing (laughs) at all. But to that point, Andrea, (laughs) I do think it's worth going back really quickly to Minecraft Legends because we saw a lot of gameplay on that one, too. And that one's PvPVE. And we saw some footage of people play testing it. So hopefully they worked on a lot of those balancing points because, as you know, that's a lot to manage. But it's also like procedurally generated worlds and it's also tower defense and it's also, you know, cross console team play and you're combining armies and resources. This seems like a lot going on. <laughs> so- if anybody can handle all of that, yeah. Moyang is the studio because Minecraft has been all of those things. For the last decade, probably. And so I think from a tech perspective, it feels like Moyang is maybe better set up to handle that as far as launching all of those features simultaneously goes. Arcane Austin, on the other hand, not really the same track record. Doesn't mean that they're not capable. Obviously, they have the ability to go to these other teams underneath the Xbox umbrella, right? The Microsoft Game Studios. I can't remember what the name of the actual umbrella is called. You know, hopefully everything goes peachy. Fingers crossed. Yeah. You always want to see a smooth game launch. True, true. I did think it was interesting. There's nothing in March. And the next thing we get is Legends, like I said, middle of April. So like we do have a bit of a gap here. But mm. I'm sure we can find some backlogs to dig into to fill I'm sure our time. sure there's some partner content or something happening, right? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the news for the Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct that happened today. We'll, of course, keep you guys updated on new pieces of information as they come in. A little tidbit that I wanted to add, even though it's technically not new, it got picked up this week because there was some people talking to Mac Walters and he made a blog post. So I wanted to just call out that this is another big departure from BioWare. We've seen several big leaders leave BioWare over the last couple of years. Is it something to be worried about? Don't know. So Dragon Age Dreadwolf production director and Mass Effect veteran Mac Walters has officially left the studio and is one of several lead developers to depart over the past couple of years, writes Rock Paper Shotgun. 
So Mac wrote a post that says, as some of you already know, at the end of last year, I decided to leave Bioware. The past 19 years have been a life-changing experience, to say the least, and it made the choice to go very difficult. I've worked with so many wonderful people and had the privilege to be part of the most amazing teams and projects. It's hard to fathom it all, and I know I'll be reflecting on it for years to come. According to Walter's LinkedIn page, his current focus is career break and personal goal pursuit. Worth noting, before moving over to the Dreadwolf team in January 2022, Walters was a senior writer on Mass Effect 1, lead writer on Mass Effect 2 and 3, and the creative director on Mass Effect Andromeda, and was also a project director on the Legendary Edition remasters. So, is this worth getting upset about? I don't know, but Mac Walters leaving feels like he was the last of the old guard that really defined the Bioware era of the RPGs that I, as a fan, loved is now leaving? Is gone? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, these things are hard, and I don't know. It's There's just always so many moving pieces when it comes to game development. We know Dreadwolf has probably been in development for like six years now at this point. I don't think we're getting a game this year, probably next year. So even if he does depart, I hope again, maybe he was just like, he had a revelation and it was life is short. I need to go live my life and be a human and separate myself from what's been the past 19 years. And now by this point, the game is, we know it's playable from start to finish, right? We talked about that a few months ago. And now they're just fine tuning and fat trimming and doing all the other magical sprinkle fairy dust that they have to do to get this game ready. I'm just going to be optimistic here, but I'm also realistic, but I'm just going to hope that by now, hopefully the tracks have been set and now it's just fine tuning and polishing and hopefully he just felt like he was in a good position to leave and put the game in good hands. So yeah, I think that's probably it. Doing anything for almost two decades will make (laughs) most people be like, hey, maybe I need a change. Yeah. So I really want this game out now though, girl. Damn. It makes me want to go back and replay Dragon Age Inquisition knowing it's a direct sequel and I haven't played Dragon Age Inquisition in a hot minute because you've replayed it last year. Yeah, I got, I did. I played it quite a bit. Got stuck in the Hinterlands for like 10 hours, I feel like. And then as I got you do. Dist- as, as you, you do. do in the Hinterlands and then I got <laughs> distracted. But it was really good to go back to that game. I was actually going to, br- I'll bring that up when we talk about Forspoken in the next segment. That game does so many amazing things with their open world that I feel like it needs to be like the staple of environmental storytelling but we'll talk about that later. Anyway, it's still a great game. It's a little older than you might remember, but... Yeah, 2014, <laughs> right? Was when it came out? Jeez, was it that old? 10 years. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, uh, dude. Yeah. We old, as the TikTokers <laughs> like to say, I guess. You must um, be 30. <laughs> oh, it's, you know, give me five seconds here. Okay, I was telling these two before we started recording the show. TikTok culture has been the most surprising thing to me. I've been on Twitter Oka Chamber since 2009 at this point. Is it 2010? And so everyone, we'd all kind of grown up together. We're all old. It's fine. I post like two things on TikTok. One of them is a joke from Forspoken. And the amount of people who've come to me and been like, you must be over 30 if you think this is funny. Um, well, yeah. What, how old are yes. you? I mean, do you know the target demographic is above 30? You freaking baby. Go back to your Play-Doh and Sandbox. Damn. You tell him. I am. I'm, an old, that I'm an old hag now. What's I got a what? kid. Shit. Don't mess with me. Piss me off. Fuck kids. <laughs> but kids also, like, there's, no, be over there's 30. no need to be mean in the comments. But TikTok, I feel, is, like, 
a wasteland for community management, which is a whole other conversation for oh, another time. Lord. Bree summed it up perfect. But you say you said they have a lot of opinions for people who don't have income, or I don't yeah, know what it was. Exactly. <laughs> but then I was like, so did I at that age. Adrian Renee, twelve year old, was very face. opinionated. No one's shocked. You listen to the <laughs> podcast, you're not shocked. You know me in real life, you're definitely not shocked. But that's a great shocked face, Brittany. It's great. A couple in case you missed this before we get to the hands-on segments. GoldenEye is back, baby. Nintendo Switch owners are going to be able to play the game as part of the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack, where it has been added to the N64 games subscribers have access to. The version of the game is more or less identical to the original release with one big addition, online multiplayer. But it must be said that that is exclusive to the Nintendo Switch version, which is kind of a head scratcher because they have the worst online infrastructure. But you can also play it on Xbox if you have Game Pass. It's going to be a free update to the owners of the Rare Replay collection because that was like the one game that was missing from that collection. <laughs> um, the Xbox version does have a few modern touches as well, like alternative control options, unlockable achievements, and a native 16 by 9 resolution up to 4K Ultra HD. I wonder how that's going to up-res if you've got the hardware, of course. Ray tracing. I definitely am going to get this because I need to feel nostalgic, but I'll probably play like a couple of rounds and then be like, this game doesn't hasn't <laughs> aged well. I'm hoping it's going to be fun, if nothing else. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like a party game at this point, right? Like you, you pull it out whenever people are around and that's it. <laughs> Everyone fights over who gets to be odd job because <laughs> the hitbox on that character, man, it's the best. <laughs> anyway, I put this in the bullet points, this next one, just because I had to because yes. y'all know I'm big on my Dreamlight Valley. So take a shot. John Drank works at Disney. Disney's Dreamlight Valley's next update brings Encanto, which is so exciting, and Frozen's Olaf to the valley, which is also very exciting because my daughter has started to watch me play Dreamlight Valley now, and it makes mm. me very happy that I can go do some chores in my little valley while she uh, watches all her favorite Disney characters run around. So according to Polygon, elsewhere in 2023, Disney Dreamlight Valley will continue to expand with more characters like Belle, realms, clothes, and decorations, but is also going to add one highly anticipated feature, multiplayer. Oh. Yes. Which is very oh, exciting. Uh, details on what it means have yet to be seen, but Gameloft is going to continue its battle pass like Star Path, which rewards players for keeping up with the game. These have been themed so far. I've almost completed the star path for all the holiday items, um, which has been wonderful. (laughs) And there's going to be two more in February and April themed around Disney's 100th anniversary and the Disney theme parks, respectively. So very exciting. I'm excited for April. The multiplayer is going to work. So let's tackle Breeze first. Uh, Why are you excited for April? Is it because of Simba? Simba's cool. More so because early summer is what I'm referring to. There is a, a line here in the content roadmap that we're taking a look at. It says early summer, unveil a secret to the forgetting and a princess races into the valley. It sounds like it might be from Wreck-It Ralph. Vanellope? Yeah. So I mean, they there's a lot of Vanellope stuff already in the game. There is. And I so. just want I just want a minigame. Like I just want Dreamlight Valley to have oh. more mini games. Like a racing mini game would just make it so great because, like, <gasps> Wreck It Ralph is just such that. a great film and it makes you feel like you want to be in it. And I just, I love that escapism that's possible with Dreamlight Valley. So hopefully. Well, you can send Ooh, threatening like letters it. to one John Drake and see if you can, can. Make it happen. He also, probably will tell you nothing like because I have been, <laughs> do I grill him all the time? 
about like what's happening and he's like you know i can't tell you and i'm like but you could and i wouldn't tell anyone <laughs> i promise and he's like no go away and i'm like fine <laughs> but mirabelle coming to the valley is also very fun and exciting and she's bringing with her like a little mini casita which is exciting and it's mm. called a it's like a casita Kestet. I definitely don't know how to pronounce that word in Spanish. Don't be mad at me in the comments. <laughs> and I'm excited to see how they kind of realize that in the game because the game is wonderful and great. And it's been yes. getting better with each update. So, so as, um, because you two have played, again, like quick question, what do you think the multiplayer is going to be like? I'm hoping that it's going to be a combination of what we saw in Animal Crossing where people can come to your island and like drop items and other things you can share items with people, mm -hmm. but also new things like being able to actually go on missions together would be fun. Like if you could like walk around in people's worlds and like mine, like if I could go to Brianna's Valley and, you know, maybe fish there with her instead, because you can't really do a lot of that stuff in Animal Crossing. It's like you're pretty limited in the things you can do with people. I mean, there are some activities, like some like grinding activities that you can do with people in Animal Crossing. But it also is like getting to and from someone's island in that game is a nightmare. Yeah. Pulling teeth, man. It's it's rough chuckles. But mm. yeah, I hope they also have a community component where you can share designs because they have a wonderful designer element inside the costume system where you earn these designs in games called motifs. And you can essentially use those templates on any piece of apparel you want. You can make your own t-shirts, your own dresses, your own hats, that kind of thing with these motives that you collect in game. And I would love it if they could make that system where people could upload those. That would be cool. And you could download other people's designs to wear. That'd be fun. I kind of just want to pop in once in a while and just do those grindy activities because I think those sometimes are the most therapeutic. Yeah. So I hope they don't block it behind something. Like, oh, you have to get to this point or you have to unlock this before you can go to someone's valley. I might want to just pop in and fish. Let yeah, me do that. Yeah. I'll catch flounders. You should be able to. I would imagine that they won't block it behind a paywall either because it feels like something that would be a really core gameplay element once they launch out of early access. But we still have no idea how they're going to monetize this game. I keep After it goes that. free to play. Yeah. Because it's paid early access right now. So you don't really, the only thing you can buy are like the moonstones that you use on the star path events. And even then it's like, you're just buying your way into customizable stuff. There's no gameplay benefits. So I'm really curious. I hope they don't time gate things. Ooh, you have no. to like. Oh, that's the worst. Ugh, it is. like, oh, like, wait until like, wait until tomorrow. Wait three hours for no. this thing. And I'm like, mm, I don't no. want that. Timers and games. Don't tell me I can play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we'll see. Lots more to come, hopefully, from Gameloft, but keep up the good work. Love that game. Probably a little too much. <laughs> and on that note, let's take our break. And when we come back, we have lots of video games to talk about. Forspoken, the Dead Space remake, and Hi-Fi Rush. Stick with us. We'll be right back. everybody it is the second segment of the what's good games podcast where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events we have been to 
But before we get to that, I want to let you know this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trip to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. We love HelloFresh here at What's Good Games and talk about them all the time. And one of the main reasons why I love them is because it's so easy to save money with HelloFresh. I was spending a fortune on takeout and delivery apps before we got our HelloFresh membership. And now I'm not going to say that I never order something takeout because, you know, sometimes you really just want that. But it's great to cut back and help eat healthier in the new year. Plus, it's fast, easy, and affordable to whip up those restaurant-quality meals right in your own kitchen. With HelloFresh, eating well in the new year can be stress-free and delicious. With over 35 weekly recipes, they have the options that you are looking for to achieve your goals. You can choose calorie smart and carb smart recipes or even customize select meals by swapping out the proteins or the sides, upgrading your proteins or even adding proteins to veggie dishes. With holiday shopping bills coming due right now, money is certainly on my mind and maybe it's on yours. But did you know that HelloFresh helps you save money year round? As I mentioned, it's cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% cheaper than takeout. And you don't have to worry about someone stealing your food, except maybe your family or your roommates. You know who you are out there. Try America's number one meal kit for yourself by going to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 22 and use our code What's Good 22 for 22 free meals plus free shipping. Help support the show by going to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 22 and use our code What's Good 22 for 22 free meals and free shipping. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The game that is on everyone's mind this week is Forspoken. This is developed by Luminous and published by Square Enix. Thank you so much to Square for sending us codes for the game. The embargo lifted before launch earlier this week. And boy, oh boy, there are a wide variety of thoughts on this game. (laughs) I can't remember... The last time I've seen a game have this much discourse. Maybe Andromeda? I don't remember. It's wild. I think Days Gone feels like a a game that also had a lot of discourse, a lot of dissonance between people who reviewed the game and people who just bought the game as a general consumer. And I think this game feels like it's sort of in that category, but in a very different way than Days Gone was. So Brittany and I have both played. Brittany has finished the game. I am about 20 hours in to the game and Rihanna has it downloaded. Right. So haven't played yet. Not yet. But you've seen a decent amount of it. I have seen a decent amount in the hashtag discourse. (laughs) (laughs) 
so much discourse. So I think before we kick off our conversation, just something to keep in mind of who Luminous as a studio is for people who are like, I don't, I haven't heard of this, you know, team, who are they? They're essentially the Final Fantasy 15 team, but the head of the studio Tabata-san, Hajima Tabata, left the studio and actually started a new studio. Now, Luminous is kind of making this game. And and so if you're like, hey, why does some of these things, these style choices that I've seen in the game kind of feel kind of Final Fantasy 15-esque? That's why. <laughs> Incomplete <laughs> And there's a lot telling. of like very like Japan choices in this game, including ratings on combat sequences, which I'm like, oh, stop. I don't need a letter grade on my combat. I don't want that in my life. Just give me stars all the time, please. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Brittany, yeah. as the person who has finished the game, and we are going to do our best to keep this as spoiler-free as possible, mm-hmm. of course, and just talk about our experiences. We won't be giving away any narrative stuff. What has your thoughts been kind of high level before we deep dive into the game? Like you finished the game, you put your controller down and you were like, huh, this is what I think of that game. I frustratingly hardly put my controller down. Andrea Renee is what happened there. (laughs) Um, No, okay, so here's the thing is this game does a lot of, okay, the best way I can describe this is someone had a really cool, like the framework was set up for it. Right. Like they we're going to have this. We're going to have this. We're going to have this. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And if there had been enough timing resources to put enough quality content and make those things flow seamlessly, this would have been a hell of a video game. There is so much potential here and it just unfortunately falls short. And I think that's one of my biggest frustrations is it feels the pacing is just kind of all over the place with this game from the moment where you get some of your coolest magic to the way the ending sequence just kind of stumbles and falls over itself it's like a sandwich the beginning the crust is disgusting the middle part is the best part in the end the other side of the crust fucking gross but that middle part (laughs) that is like the good juicy i'm vibing with this this is Mm. good and then it just kind of gets gross again That said, I liked this game. My frustration comes with the missed potential. And I know it's not easy to delay a video game. I know that's a very expensive thing to do. And it's very hard and not it's complicated to do that. But if this game could have gotten another delay and if it could have just gotten some more TLC, I think it would have fixed a lot of the issues. All of that said, I love Frey as a character. I know some folks are not into her her snarky, quirky, like, fuck you world attitude, but I think that makes her unique, and I think it's a perspective we don't see a lot in video games. She's a black woman. When was the last time he had a black woman protagonist in a video game? I love her, and I think she alone is worth playing this. This is just my opinion, because I think she's freaking hilarious, and I think the way she acts in this game, being thrown into this fantasy world, is how I would react in this game. So therefore, I think a lot of the dialogue is funny and quirky. There are parts where it feels like she as a character suffers from rushed writing and bad time management, if that makes sense. She yes, has these 100%. She has these moments where I'm like, you're awesome. Like you're you're growing, you're thriving, you're doing good. And then maybe like two hours later, she's a completely different character. And there was no content in between that to justify that personality change. And that's when it gets frustrating. I'm like, why does this supposed well-rounded character, why does she suddenly have this complete 180? Like what, what justifies this? And there is nothing. And I think there is nothing because 
because again, lack of resources and the lack of pacing. So that's why I'm just kind of heartbroken because I did like this game. I did enjoy my time with it, but there were certain parts, particularly the, the, the beginning and that ending sequence, probably one of the most frustrating ones I've played in a game where I was just like, dang, like, dang, you, you were close, but you just needed more time. So that's like my high level stuff. I think that there's so much there that I agree with from the time that I've spent with the game. And it's hard to know just how much more of the game I have to go. You and I can talk about it, (laughs) not on the show, so we don't spoil anything for anybody. But I'm with you in that the beginning, the opening hours of the game are frustrating from a number of components. I think the way that they introduced Frey as a character I actually really did not like her in the beginning. She, You're right that she has some really great redemption moments. And it's not just that she swears. It's the way that she swears in the game that makes me really like not like her as a character. I used the word insolent when I was tweeting about the game earlier this week because it truly feels that that's what she's like. They've created this giant chip on her shoulder and she wears it so proudly in a way that makes me scratch my head to go like, how are you still this mad at something that happened so long ago when you were a baby and you just like are letting it ruin your life. You're letting it color every moment of your being to the point where you are just angry all the time. <laughs> and I think it's been really hard for me to reckon with that, with all the dialogue choices that they've made for her so far. And the reason why I can't really square it is because most of the dialogue we get is between Frey and Cuff, this bracelet that she's wearing on her right arm that is sentient. And you learn about, you know, who Cuff is and like why Cuff comes into the story, you know, as you progress through the narrative. But for a long time in the game, you know, it's just them like almost negging each other back and forth and Mm. just being just being so mean to each other. I I started taking notes at some of the dialogue that was going back and forth, which, by the way, is repetitive to a fault. And like, I know open world games all suffer from this, a lot of like repeat lines, but this is like egregiously bad. Like the lines just repeat. There's like maybe 10 lines that just repeat as you're going through the open world. (laughs) There was one where... I just finished like a little mini battle with some enemies and Cuff says your performance was middling and Frey yells back, I'll give you middling asshole. (laughs) And I was just like, where did that come from? (laughs) Oh my God. Like, why are you yelling at him like that? I mean, yeah, he was jabbing you for sure. But, and that's just one of like several sequences where they were Frey like outright swears at a person. And I think the reason why I struggle with that so much is because (laughs) it reminds me of the rules that we have for our What's Good Games online communities. We are totally okay with people swearing. We swear all the time on this podcast. We aren't okay with people swearing at somebody else because that shows hurtful, malicious intention to try to hurt somebody with your words. And she does that a lot in this game. And I think that's what really rubs me the wrong way about her as a character. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish the game if it's just going to keep continuing. So here's the advice I would give is I did the same thing. We were talking a little bit about this. I played a lot of the open world stuff, like where I would just go around and explore and do all the activities. 
I did that a lot in the beginning and I wish I had it <laughs> because um, A, you know, you don't have all of your abilities at that point. And B, yeah, the conversations between the two of them, it's literally emotionally exhausting. It felt like I was just, it, ma- it made me feel bad is what it did. It just made me feel like bad and like I was a part of something I wanted to leave. You know, when you're like in an uncomfortable situation with two people who are just like bickering back and forth and you're like, I need to excuse myself. You can't really do yeah. that in this game because the open world dialogue between the two of them is so repetitive and so negative. But once the story starts progressing, their banter together around narrative events, it grows and it evolves and it gets better. So I know it's hard to say, like, skip the, the open world stuff. Maybe you're at that point where you want to. But I would just put that baby down to the easiest mode and just like go forth, young one. Yeah. And there is an accessibility setting that a lot of people have called out where you can turn the banter almost completely off except for narrative things. And I have it set to minimal. I don't have it set to off. But now that I see even with minimal, it's still the same repetitive stuff. I might at this point, like at the 20 hour mark, finally set it to zero. But I want to mention that it's to me not a good sign of design if you have an option for your players to turn off dialogue in a game. It's like, well, you clearly voice acted that you directed it, you wrote it. It's in your code. Why are you allowing players to turn it off? It kind of feels like something's not right there, right? Like, why bother writing it at all if you're going to get people to turn it off? It seems bad. The biggest, one of the biggest frustrations I had is I felt like Cuff had so much potential in terms of when you're playing this game, this isn't a spoiler, don't worry, you learn that he's sort of familiar with this world of Afia, right? He could have been written, or she, I don't really know what Cuff is, as the kind of character, or what he identifies as, what I should say. What I mean is like, I don't know if he's a human, is he a monster? Like, don't no one knows what the Cuff is. Cuff could have been like a, a narrative addition. He could could have been an environmental storytelling asset. He could have been someone be like, oh, this thing in Athia right here, this is where this happened, or this is where that is, or this is where this, ha-. you know, he could have done something to make his presence mm-hmm. much more enjoyable and give them a really fun dynamic where it was just kind of like, you know, two buddies and, you know, maybe marketing that would have been more successful. And I think that's just where my biggest like, oh, Cuff, man, there was so much potential with what Cuff could have been and what he could have added to this story. But It just doesn't happen because this world is massive and it is large. And there's just no environmental storytelling whatsoever in this thing. There's a few documents you'll find in safe houses scattered around. But it, mm-hmm. it, it feels like a shame because you have this huge world where, you know, you can tell that there's some back lore written on someone's desk somewhere. And it could be a really fascinating thing to discover. But there's just none of it. Instead, you're just kind of stuck with, you know, these different biomes with no meaning behind them. All the open world activities are the exact same no matter where you go. You know, maybe. Maybe you're going to find treasure. Maybe you're going to go through a labyrinth. Maybe you're going to go to a safe house and craft or something. But it's all the same. And that's why, to quote one Christine Steimer, I think if Luminous would have just cut the fat, made mm. this world a lot smaller and packed it full of world details and, and additional lore and character interactions, like it was there, you know, and that's that's, again, why I'm heartbroken. It was there. The potential was there, but they tried to do too much and they couldn't. They did too little. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And we're watching some gameplay at youtube.com slash what's good games. This is from PlayStation. And to confirm, both Brittany and I were playing on PS5. We did not play the PC version of the game. Despite what we've been talking about, both Brittany and I had a super fun time playing this game. And even though I don't like the banter between her 
magical cuff and and fray. I still keep going back because both the movement system and the magic system in the game are really neat and interesting. And I finally have unlocked some more of the high-powered spells that we get to see in these clips, these gameplay clips, that feels like it takes forever to unlock in the game. But once you do, it completely changes how fun combat is. And I love how it feels fluid and fast and... Even though I forever hate stamina bar systems, oh, yeah. it definitely makes it strategic and it allows you to think about, you know, which spells am I going to use where? How am I going to use the parkour system? And being able to swap between whole elemental spell sets is a really awesome idea. It really makes combat exciting and fun. And on top of that, the movement system in this game, the magic parkour that you get to do as Frey is so fun. I mean, it's wild out in the open world how broken it can be in a number of ways, but it's also kind of mind-boggling like how fluid it feels. Mm-hmm. So, one of the challenges of this game is that there's no mount system, right? So, you don't have like a horse friend that you can ride around or or like a somebody who you can back you can get on and and you know, travel long distances, but you have like superhuman speed and you can jump over things and you can increase the movement system through various spells that you can unlock as you go around. But I mean, it is weird transitioning into a city space, like going to like Sepal, like the main city in the game, and having none of that movement inside the city. In fact, you can't even jump off most ledges. You keep hitting invisible walls. So I'm like, gosh, you made this really interesting traversal system that, that makes the open world super fun to run around. But then like you can't do any of it when you get inside city spaces. And it's like, gosh. Yeah. Is, what what happened there? What it, what happened? Yeah. And that's what I was saying earlier. Some parts of it, I feel like they nailed. And then other parts just, I finished it. There's a reason I finished this game. I felt compelled to do that. I thought the story was very interesting and something new we haven't seen. Like Andrea said, the magic, once you unlock it, and that's the biggest tip I can give. Keep playing until you start unlocking the cool magic. Try to go past the open world, just run through it, get to your destination, and then save your exploration for when you have all the fun magic. Because that, I think, will really enrich the experience. Yeah. And then Andrea, I don't know if you have this issue too but I have a lot of technical weird things happen you know during dialogue I couldn't move I was forced to stand still okay listen to banter or when you would initiate a conversation after the conversation was over the scene just kind of like stayed there for like two seconds lots of pausing and loading (laughs) happening yeah yeah and you know I think we need to bring these things up because you know that's our job is to critique the game but all of that aside, like I said, I still finished it. I wanted to. I wanted to see where it went. And that, you know, I'd love to do a spoiler cast on this someday, but I'll save that for another day. But yeah, like I said, like, you know, I think we know how unforgiving this industry is, especially with new IP and especially when that is getting such mixed reviews. I would love to see them give or spoken another shot, you know, if they could improve on some of these things we mentioned. Unfortunately, I don't know if that's going to happen, which makes me sad because, yeah. you know, there's just the, the way the story ended. It's like, oh, where are we going? I don't know if we're going anywhere. And that's just a huge bummer. Yeah, I think like the potential for this game to be a game of the year contender was there, but there's just too many missing elements. And the there seems to be a gully between technical performance on PC and PS5, which is another head scratcher because this is like a PS5 console exclusive. And in the press release provided by Square Enix, it says that 
luminous <laughs> design for PS5, Forspoken will harness the full power of the console and demonstrate Luminous Productions' philosophy to provide a gaming experience like never before, fusing together the latest technology with creativity. And I see that and I can't tell you, I've taken several screenshots of how bad it looked in certain parts of the game to the point where I'm like, what is happening with the textures in this? Where is the skybox? It just doesn't exist. Where is this person's face? It's not moving. It's supposed to be like having some kind of animation happening. And like you said, lots of pausing and hitching. Again, it's not game-breaking stuff, but it's immersion-breaking to the point that it's noticeable enough that I stopped to take screenshots over it. And I'm just like, this is a PS5 game that they're selling for $69.99. And you can also buy Horizon Forbidden West from Gorilla, also for $69.99, probably for cheaper now, because it's, you know, almost a year later. And it's like, dude, like the... It's just not comparable in the quality from one game to the next. But so I would say, like, if you're thinking of getting this game, like both Brittany and I had fun. I think I'm still going to go back because I want to see some more of like the middle of the sandwich, as you uh, very <laughs> smartly juicy called part. it. The juicy. I don't know if I'm going to make it all the way to the end, but the magic system is really fun. And I feel like I'm just getting to the good part yeah. of the magic system. I will so. say hearing your thoughts on it makes me want to play it more. So I'm definitely going to try it. Like it was always the plan. Yeah. I'm not like a Final Fantasy person, but I like the idea of running around an open world with magical powers. That was always fun. But for anybody who maybe like me is looking for more thoughts on Frey as a character or the game from a Black woman's perspective, there wasn't a ton of coverage that I could find. I did see that Curious Joy was on Square Enix's Twitch channel. So if you want to check out her live gameplay, she of course will have her feedback there. And then also, if you want to go over to The Verge, Ash Parrish wrote her thoughts on the game as well. I think she played through the entire thing. That's the, the best endorsement I can give for that perspective because as we know the game did not have any black women on the writing team but the actress who plays Frey is from the UK but a black woman maybe not the New Yorker's perspective but hopefully it definitely feels more like a Japanese character yeah who is a black woman yeah from a writing perspective I would have loved to see more tidbits of her talking about New York other than her just being like, I miss New York. Where is this weird place that I'm at? I don't want to be here. <laughs> but like they didn't like they didn't like pepper it with like specific things of her talking about her experience growing up in New York. Yeah. Which I think would have really helped develop her as a character more. Yeah. Like a little thing. Like if she comes across the shop, it's like, oh, it's like a bodega. Like something. Right. Some Yeah. Even like a quick line like that. I mean, I mean, shout out to the cats. Right. Bodega cats are a big thing. There's a ton of cats in the world, which I love. Obviously, I'm a cat <laughs> owner and you can unlock, you know, different cat familiars throughout the world and then they'll show up in safe houses and that's kind of fun but again like they're just they're not really well animated and it's just like oh. where's your fur it's just like all one piece it's, there's no individual hairs what's happening here <laughs> but they're cute they are and they cute. meow and you can well, buy them hi, toys hey, kitty. Oh. you can you can buy cat scratchers and stuff in the world yeah. eventually for your interesting for your detail cats. to include <laughs> Yeah, again. But I'm glad that you're interested in playing. I do think it's going to be a more popular game than reviewers have let on. Yeah. I just, you know, like Brittany said, when we don't call out these problems in games, people come after us Mm -hmm. (laughs) for being too excited about a game and being like, you didn't mention that it's broken or whatever. But it's not. It's not broken. No, it's It's just. Yeah. It's just kind of janky. It's just janky. It's just stuff to be fun. And I think part of our job is to obviously critique a game, but it's also to inform the people who consume our content about 
the pros and the cons of this game. And then it's up to you to decide, you know, maybe you don't really care about open world exploration. So you're not going to care if there's no environmental storytelling. You're like, okay, cool. Like this game sounds like it's for me then. And I think that's yeah, something. That all the rocks look the same. <laughs> they do. You know, if you like the same looking rocks, then you're going to love Forspoken. See, there, there, there's the back of the box. And there's quote. hardly any trees, which is probably why Brittany finished the game. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nail art in the game, Ree, which you love. I do. I do like the nail art aspect. That is absolutely up my alley. I do hate, though, that they gave Frey a line that's like, I'm not really a nails girl, but okay. I was like, come on, guys. Like, you could have just made her be like like fuck yeah i love badass nail art and like why not just have her be a yes and girl it's a basic improv principle she's like, so an anti <laughs> she just hates everything and i'm like but why does she hate it why couldn't she be excited that she gets to change her like, nail they were setting her up for such an awesome <laughs> character arc change in the <laughs> anyway yeah yeah very yeah yup 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 Brittany, you give wonderful advice for anybody else out there like rihanna who's looking forward to trying this game out like brit said Try not to get too sidetracked doing open world stuff. The game is going to tempt you. There is a fuck ton of stuff to do in the open world. But I would encourage you, like Brittany said, to try to mainline the narrative beats to unlock the cooler magic and then go back and do all of the combat stuff in the open world once you got the cool magic fingers. Yep, Roger. That's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. On to the next, shall we? Because we have more games to talk about because Brittany has been not only zipping around Athia, but you've also been hacking off limbs in space. Oh, man, it's been glorious. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about getting out your frustration. Yes. So I have been playing the Dead Space remake. And boy, oh boy. So this game is coming out. I think it's this Friday, the 27th, and it is being developed by Motive. And they have absolutely nailed this remake I feel like in every regard possible and I mean I already had a feeling this is what was going to happen after playing the preview (laughs) for about four hours a few months ago but now that I've been able to play the whole entire thing it's just I'm tempted like my knee-jerk like enthusiastic reaction is to be like this is the Resident Evil 2 remake version of Dead Space and I feel like that is accurate but there's like a little caveat there that Resident Evil 2 came out in the 90s and therefore it goes in as technically advanced as the original Dead Space which came out 10 years later in 2008. So it's like, I think the leap from RE2 to RE2 Remake was much greater than this leap, but it's still a phenomenal leap. So there have been a lot of things that have been freaking just like rocked and and, and improved in so many different ways when it comes to this remake. So the first thing I think I want to talk about is the idea of this. It's called the Intensity Director, and I'm going to pull it up right here. And they've Motive has talked about this a little bit. And essentially what this does is it makes you feel like you're never safe anywhere because the game is going to measure if I can describe this properly, essentially it's like an AI in the the system probably. And it can tell like when you're ready for like a new jump scare, for example. So, you know, there's Mm. some backtracking in the Ishimura, which is this huge ship. And I'm just talking like all you already know what Dead Space is. I'm sorry. I'm very excited. So the TLDR is Dead Space is a game that came out in 2008. And you are Isaac and you are aboard the Ishimura, which is a big planet cracker ship in space because essentially Earth has ran out of all of its resources because of of course we have. And so therefore, we're going to other planets to try to gather the resources. Well, there's a ship out there called the Ishimura, and it has been dark for I think it's like six months or so. And so you and 
three or four other crewmates go out to the Ishimura to try to figure out what the hell is going on. And then, of course, when you get there, everything's ruined. It's bad. It's real bad. And then you are Isaac. And not only are you there trying to figure out what happened to the Ishimura, you now find yourself facing a necromorph invasion. And you're also looking for your girlfriend who worked on the Ishimura, but you haven't heard from. The last piece of correspondence you got from her was her basically saying, like, hey, things are really bad over here. Like... I don't know if we're going to make this, et cetera, et cetera. So you are being big, strong engineer, Isaac. You're like, I'm going to save my woman, et cetera. Okay. <laughs> so there's Dead Space in a nutshell. Anyways, I want to talk about the intensity director because this game, you never feel safe. This is one of the most butt-clenching horror games I think I've ever played. Like Resident Evil doesn't freak me out just because it's, it's Resident Evil and I love it too much. But the way the atmosphere, oh my God, the sounds around you, the eerie music, it's not just ambient sounds. You have like the, that violin like or whatever is plucking sound in your ears the whole time, that creepy, creepy like sounds going on. And then you have the clanging, you have things all around you. And I feel like the 3D sound is just so good. And then you have, again, the intensity director. So essentially like, you can go from point A to point B. This game has a lot of backtracking. You're in a big ship. But it's all well done. It doesn't feel like tedious or anything. On like your third trek back, there might be fog in the ship now. Where did the fog come from? Who knows? Something's probably broken. And then above you, you hear like clang, clang, clang of a necromorph probably skittering in the vents. And the lights might flicker and something might fall out or it might not. But now you're tense as hell. And so you go back and then you come back the next time and maybe something pops out. Like every corridor in this game is going to act differently. And I think that goes such a long way of just making each game, not only giving it some sort of incredible replay value, but just making it so you're never, so you never feel safe. You're never comfortable. So huge shout I out to this. this. <laughs> I I can't. Like, I like am clenching just listening to you describe it. <laughs> it's scary. Like, I, you know, our girl Steimer lives in Berlin, and so our time zones don't really line up. But I'm up late playing this because I'm up in my little COVID cave. So I've been texting her every night and like, hey, girl, you wait, can you just like make me feel like someone's here with me? Because Jason's sleeping, so he's useless. So I've been texting (laughs) Simon every night being like, can you hold my hand? So anyway, yeah, it's terrified and it definitely gets me and you will get ambushed and there are some jump scares, but they're not. I'd say they're tastefully done. It doesn't ever feel like they're just like, ah, gotcha all the time. So there's the intensity director, which I personally think is pretty cool. And then this is another really cool thing they do. It's called the peeling system. And this is where I'm going to lose a lot of you. And a lot of you are probably going to think that you need to like call someone to check on me. So this is a system that Motive has created. And what it essentially does is it shows you the bones, tendons, muscles, and organs of the necromorphs as you are shooting them. Because the whole idea... (laughs) Delicious. (laughs) So the whole idea of the necromorphs is there's these long, gangly, alien-looking dudes, right? And they have, like, these long, spindly arms and legs. And the way you kill them, it's not like zombies. You don't shoot them in the head. You have to cut off their arms and their legs. And so when you're shooting them with with your many weapons, which I'll talk about in a second, favorite, I love the plasma, cutter it shows all of that stuff just chipping away chipping away chipping away and it is gnarly and it is visceral and it is gross but damn it is a good indicator as to how close you are to killing that son of a bitch because you can tell right when their arms are about to snap off it's a really gory gory thing but it works really well in this game it's very squelchy and i love it i don't have any pent-up frustration that i'm taking out 
I knew that this would be, you know, a brick game. We, obviously, it was the reason why EA asked you to cover it, not me, because they know that I'm like, you gross, and I don't think I can do it. When I played the original Dead Space, I only made it probably like three or four hours in, and I was like, I don't think I could do this. I'm not ready. And that was before I was a confident player in first-person action games, first-person shooters to be specific. I am way more confident now in my ability to take on these types of combat scenarios. But this idea that it's like butt-clenching fear at every turn, you never feel safe. Yeah. Doesn't feel like the stress I need in my life. No. Honestly. No, I would not recommend you play this. Like Resident Evil, I know you can handle, but it's a different kind of horror, right? This is yeah. something on a whole nother level. This is dark. It's dealing with cultish type things. And, you know, that's never a lighthearted sunshine and rainbows topic. No. It's it is an incredible horror game and it definitely deserves its place as one of the greats. And I'm glad this game got a remake because the original obviously had its cult following, and I mean, a lot of us loved it in 2008, but a lot of things have changed, and technology has advanced, and they've taken what needed to be done, and they've done it. And just real quick, some of the other major improvements is everything is much more fleshed out. NPCs have more screen time, more dialogue. We get to see some characters that we never really got to see before. There are side missions, which explore the larger lore of Dead Space and answer some interesting questions that fans have had about certain things weapons have new alt modes so for example you have the contact beam in dead space it's a weapon it's new alt mode is it's called like an asteroid breaker or something it's a kick-ass like beam of death and it's really cool and every weapon is so much fun to play with even the weapons that i didn't enjoy in the original i love playing with this in this remake because they've just made it fun and then the progression system via the the nodes and the board it feels much more streamlined and it makes more sense like it's just overall like it's most the same game but prettier reimagined in the sense of you know the big scenes the big settings the big levels like they all serve the same purpose they just look more realistic and detailed but there are some new things in here which I think is really fun and absolutely worth a replay even if you played the first Dead Space like last week I would say go back and play this right now play this remake it's so good there's so many fun new things there and just a lot of quality of life improvements so TLDR this is an incredible game it's an incredible horror game and I think it's way probably the most unsettling game I've played since maybe PT, I'd say. It's up there. Yeah. Oh, right then. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. It's a different kind of horror. uh, I mean, you know, if you're not, PT is creepy because you have like this woman stalking you in the halls, but, you know, Dead Space is so much more atmospheric. And if you play with headphones, like, God be with you. If I were you too, I'd stay away. I'm very happy for you that in your gruesome horror cave that you were in. And uh, (laughs) good luck to everybody who plays that. Hopefully you brought your adult diapers with. The closest I'll get to playing that is using the skin in Fortnite. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're like, that's it. That's it. All right. I'll do it. A game that's a completely different vibe than that (laughs) is a brand new game that came out this week. Surprise drop from Tango, which we mentioned in the Xbox segment at the top of the show. Hi-Fi Rush. So this game, when it was announced during the developer direct, sounded like exactly the game that I wanted to play right now. I have a long history in the rhythm and music genre, 
Most of you out there know that I met my husband through rock band and that I spent a lot of time playing Guitar Hero and rock band and games like Frequency and Amplitude and among many others. There's The rhythm and music genre has a lot of different style of games. And so when they talked about beat matching in this game and how the whole world is like set to a beat, I was like, okay, we've seen some games try this before and some have been successful and some haven't. But Tango doing it, I was like, I'm down to check it out. So it's technically a single-player rhythm action game. And the press release calls it unlike anything seen before. And it's available now on Xbox Game Pass and PC as well through the Microsoft Store, Steam, and the Epic Games Storefront if you want to play there instead. It's set in a colorful world where everything is driven by the beat of the music. The style of this game, I think, is not to be understated. It just oozes with style and it looks beautiful on Xbox Series X on my 4K television. Just really beautiful graphics in a way that I was really excited about. Y'all know anime is not normally my thing. That's, (laughs) you know, Brit's expertise. And so I was a little, a little hesitant when I first saw the art style of this game. I was like, well, that's not normally an Andrea Renee cup of tea. But I was like, well, the rhythm and music part of it had me hooked. And so... I downloaded it and started playing and absolutely fell in love with it. And Ree, you've been playing it longer than I have. I only got about 30-ish minutes with it before we had to record the show today. Yeah, I've played a little over three hours of this game. And I got to say, it's so much fun. As you said, Andrew, when I saw this in the breakdown on the the Xbox Developer Direct, I immediately was like, okay, I want to play this as soon as possible as they were still presenting the art style and what the team was trying to accomplish in the development process, I was writing it down like, okay, shoots to top of most anticipated lists. And then they got to the end of the segment and they said, and you can play it today. It was like, holy shit. Okay, so <laughs> let's freaking go. I don't typically go for games that look like this. What I mean by that is like, it has a lot of Persona vibes and the style is on the anime side, but it's definitely got some Sunset Overdrive DNAs throughout there. Yeah. Yes, it, it's, I felt Sunset Overdrive the moment this game booted up. I was like, it just feels like the opening to that game. Absolutely. Like, obviously, the, the music component is similar. And it's so colorful, right? Like, this world is very bright and fun and exciting. And no, there's not an extensive open world with lots of, you know, copy-pasted rocks. But there's, <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some exploration, right? Like, it's a platformer. It's an adventure game. So you're, you're going to be jumping from spot to spot. You're going to use different movies. Movement mechanics in order to find hidden objects or, you know, break open crates for health packs that, you know, help you regain any health from fights or different bonuses that help you get to your your power meters, things like that. Like it's going to feel like a familiar style of gameplay if you've done any adventuring. But the music mechanic is so well done. So a little bit behind the curtain of how it works. And they do a great job of explaining this in the game. Any new move. The tutorial is is aces. It's yeah. so good, right? Right? Like any new move or mechanic that you learn in the game, they first show you how to do it. And then you pass an NPC that you can interact with to practice it. And they'll explain it again. And it's really, really helpful because it just reinforces it because this game is very much combo based, which is not my cup of tea. I'm not great at memorizing combos, but they give you enough repetition as you're learning stuff to sort of 
internalize it and remember it a little bit better long term and, and incorporating it into your ongoing play style. So what's really cool about the music mechanic is that the entire world is pulsing and moving to the beat of the music and the song changes every quote unquote level you're playing through. And if you're on non streamer mode, it's going to play different songs by like the Black Keys and like other artists that you'll actually recognize. If you are playing in streamer mode, it's going to give you in game music that matches the same beat, but it's not going to be anything that would hopefully get you not get you copyright struck. So I love that they took that consideration because that's going to be a big component for anybody posting or streaming. But what's really cool, in addition to the fact that the entire world pulses with the same beat as you're playing, your combos and your hits automatically land on beat. You get a bonus if you press the cue on beat. So you're never out of sync with the music, even if you're button mashing, but you do get additional benefits in your fights if you are on beat. And they have plenty of opportunities to practice it. They have some really great accessibility features where they can show you a meter at the bottom of your screen that shows you the beat if you can't hear it. It also pulses in your controller if you have vibration turned on. I was playing on Xbox Series S. So it, you can also feel the beat. So there's so many different ways to access this pattern that you're supposed to adhere to throughout the game. And some combos even give you like an on-screen prompt for it. So it, it becomes really easy to get into the rhythm because it doesn't only give you one opportunity to be on beat. And then like if you didn't get it, you missed it. They, they really give you a lot of catch up moments in order to practice it, which is really cool. Something else that's really cool about this game is like all of the little details in the world where there is like again, the Sunset Overdrive reference where if you hit somebody, you see like zap or bam or pow, like you feel your effect on the world. And if you do a successful combo, you get the ability to do an additional beat that does a bonus move that does additional damage. And it has like this big, huge effect. And depending on what fight you're doing right now, it'll do like a slow-mo action frame, which looks like a, a panel from a comic, which is just such a cool effect. And there's also really little details, like as your character Chai is just standing idle, he's tapping his foot and snapping to the beat. Mm. Like there's just so much like little attention to yeah, detail. Yeah, and it like says snap yeah. as you snap. It's really cute. It's so yeah, cute. so Chai is the protagonist who we forgot to mention. Right. And the whole like backstory is like during this technological procedure to get a robotic arm, something goes wrong. You get like your music player infused in your body and it's very like fantastical, which is totally <laughs> fine. I think like the story is obviously going to unfold as you keep playing, but I mean, obviously the music is the star. And so far, I also am having a blast and can't wait to play more. And I love how the game also moves between 3D and like 2.5D. So there'll be platforming sections that's fully 3D and then it'll transition to be more like side scrolling mm -hmm. which I think is a really neat artistic touch and this game was just such a fun beautiful surprise mm -hmm. just Tango saying thank god this game didn't get leaked we're super excited to let you know you can play it today and everyone being like wait what yeah it's playable today that's fun and it seems like so far it's like really great yeah. I want to check it out when the trailer started I instantly recognized Robbie Damon's voice I know him mostly as Prompto from Final Fantasy 15, but he's done so, yeah. he's been in so many other of your favorite video games out there. 
So I was like, okay, like anything Robbie's in, I kind of want to check out anyway. And hearing you guys talk about the gameplay and just how it feels like it's kind of an upbeat. I haven't heard too much about the story yet, but I think we're a few hours in. Is the story yeah. like, is it paper thin or is it more, is it like, yeah? No, it's great. Okay. The writing is absolutely hilarious. I laughed out loud several times in, oh, in the first okay. few hours. Cool. So yeah, it's a great story. It sets up, you know, it's, you know, around a boss fight. You're taking them out one by one. You know, it gives you a conceit for that. There's definitely allusion to the fact that you're gathering crewmates who can pop in and do assist moves with you depending on what you've unlocked in your different combos with the currency that you earn so all of that is there it is a very competent adventure game where it has all of the elements you want and all of them are done well i will say the the one tricky piece that i've encountered so far is that sometimes i can't tell which character or enemy i'm auto targeting and the camera starts going a little bit wonky because almost every fight you're in is an enclosed space it makes a very tight arena that bit is probably going to take me some time to get used to. But the story so far is really funny and very competent. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Cool. Voice acting is superb. It's in Fire Emblem. Let's go. Ah, oh, yeah. Two thumbs up. Well, that's a game that also just came out, too. I'm kind of... And there's Persona to talk about. We're going to have to hold it for next week, I think. Yeah, yeah, I got a lot to talk about with Persona. Yeah, because I haven't been able to talk about that because I was out last week. So I've been playing a lot of Donkey Kong Country too, and this is why I wanted to put this in the show notes with my dad while I've been <laughs> in quarantine because he can't handle any of the, the newer games, but he can handle Super <laughs> Nintendo. A lot of people don't know this, but those games that are a part of the Nintendo Switch Online catalog there, you can play those online with other people. So my dad, for example, in his Donkey Kong Country 2 save, he started a single player game, but he and I can still virtually pass the controller back and forth in the menu. The menu doesn't tell you you can do this, but you can by pressing Y. I'm just putting that disclaimer out there because I didn't know you could do that. And a lot of people didn't know you could do that either. But yes, it's a really, really cool feature. It's kind of clunky to set up, but it has been a lifesaver during my time in quarantine. So good job, Nintendo. I love that you're playing games with your dad. Maybe I can get my dad set up to do that. That would be fun. You should. Yeah. I don't know if he would, but I could try. try. <laughs> Spring your patience. Those old farts aren't good at games anymore. Uh, it's true. I told you the story of how my dad wanted to play Paragon when my sister and I were playing and I had to try to teach my dad how to do 3D game traversal with dual oh sticks. <laughs> it's literally been that long since he's played a video game. Yeah. And trying to teach, like, we all remember what it was like learning the sticks for the first time, the like spinning around looking at the ceiling or spinning around looking at the ground, like trying to figure out like how to move and look at the same time. Yeah. Well, maybe you can play my Goldeneye sister being, with him. Yeah, Goldeneye is actually a really good point. Yeah. That's a single stick, though. Well, you'd be able to handle it. That's true. That's true. Y'all got to start somewhere. <laughs> right? All right, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out with us to the end of the show. If you want to help support What's Good Games and you don't have any money to throw at our Patreon, we understand. Give us a couple minutes of your time by leaving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Or subbing to us on YouTube, following us on Twitter at what's good underscore games, engaging with our content wherever you see it, leaving a comment or a thumbs up, hitting that notification bell. Every little bit helps and we appreciate that you guys want to help support the show. So thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye.